0: Yo, yo, live. live. How's it going, guys? My name is Carlo with Smashcast. My special guest today is James Nival. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Nice. Uh, he's a black belt under Mika Sipili. Uh, he actually runs his own uh, academy as well on Blue Diamond and Cimarron. So if for anybody uh, out there. Uh, looking to get into jujitsu in that area. That is a good area. Um, so James, yes, good having you, man.
1: I'm glad to be here. Appreciate Thank it, you. man. Thank yes. you. Let's, let's do this. Um yeah. Smash. So
0: you, so yeah, Smashcast. Smashcast. <laughs> um, so I, I know you have a really back, uh, like a, like a, like really good story when mm-hmm. getting into jujitsu, um, and I kind of wanted to bring that onto here. Um, okay. And and how something so like small, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can can change your life so yes. drastically. Yes. Um, and um, so again, so this is James, guys. Um, James, introduce yourself and, and tell me your story and, and how, how you got started with everything. Yeah,
1: um, James Naval, like you said. I've uh, been in Las Vegas now since 2006. I was here in the early 90s. Um, I left uh, 95, went to college for a little while, came back. Um, that's how I got started in Jitsu. Came back in 2006 after um, unexpected death in the family of my younger brother. Um, so when I moved to Las Vegas I was kind of just coming back to deal with some situations. My mom was here and so that brought me back. I didn't plan on coming back to Las Vegas but so the sudden death had kind of kind of ruptured my family and brought me to Las Vegas again and then uh, not too long after I was introduced to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, kind of knew about jiu-jitsu like most everyone else, UFC, Hoist Gracie, all of the great things of what the Gracie family did. So, you know, it was it was known if you watched the UFC back in those days in 94, 95, you know, you saw that it was only for a quick glimpse. If you had that opportunity, you know, that pay-per-view at that time, then it was much more brutal. So they kind of banned it. Um, so, you know, jiu-jitsu wasn't as prevalent. And again, even in 2006, it wasn't as popular as it is today. And I met Mika Sapili uh through a mutual friend, uh Kelly Gray, Big Kelly. And uh he took me there and uh my life has been changed ever since. Um so that's pretty much how I got started. Um you know, I got my butt whipped the first day. I thought I was in shape, but I was really out of shape. And then uh Jitsu jujitsu from, from then on whipped everything into shape, uh from my life to my physical abilities. Nice even till today.
0: Nice. So what did, what did you do before jujitsu? like what did you do anything physical?
1: Yeah, I worked out you know um, well I wasn't really the most athletic person I would say you know I did sports uh, through my younger years so before jiu Jitsu actually when I was when I moved to Las Vegas, I was trying to pursue a music career, so mm-hmm. I was working somewhat in the music business, working with few local artists working in studios i was studying uh musical engineering at the same time and graphic design uh, at one of the local art schools here so uh that's pretty much what i was doing and i was just working on normal jobs like everyone else just trying to figure out what i was going to do um you know life was kind of pretty much that trying to figure out what my way through life as Mm. you can say Mm -hmm. going through all the motions and you know things like that so that's pretty much how i got started um you know
0: and And were were you were you consistent though like what like once you once you started like um did you have any hiccups or like how did i think with most people in the
1: beginning of jujitsu because it's such a weird uh sport to get involved in if you don't really know about it um i think you have the same discouragements you know that most people have unless you may come from a uh, somewhat of a jujitsu background. So like family members might be involved, something like that. Um, I think everybody has the same discouragements and hiccups and pauses and things like that. Um, when I got started, um, I, you know, all I can remember was just getting my butt whipped every day. And so it was like, man, you know, but, uh, something inside of me was just like, don't be no punk, Mm -hmm. keep coming, keep learning. It was awesome. Um, growing up, I was always in a lot of fights, you know, just where I, where I grew up, it was tough. You had to kind of always kind of, as soon as you walk out your door, you just had to, you know, take care of yourself. And then I had a younger brother as well, so I had to take care of him as well. So, you know, it was just going to school, hanging out in the neighborhood. It was always tough. So, you know, jiu was one of those things that maybe if you had it back then, you would it would have helped you out a lot. So, um, you know, I really wanted to learn. Um, I was really amazed by how someone of a smaller stature or physical capability would just be able to dominate someone so much bigger than them. Um, And it really intrigued me. And jiu-jitsu is such a mind game, and I I was always into mind games. And so, you know, it had me constantly thinking and trying to figure things out. And so that's what kept drawing me into it more and more. And so as that happened, I decided more to involve myself. Um, And again, in the beginning, you don't know much. You don't know much about the history. You don't know much about what's going on. You don't know about the scene. You're just kind of new to it all, and you're taking it all in. And again, you know, you have your normal injuries, uh, sometimes telling yourself, oh, this is too much, you can't do it. And so, you know, I had those same times and and, and I did end up, I would say, not quitting, but I did take some time off because also jujitsu, you know, you have to pay for it. And so uh, it just didn't seem to work with my schedule. And then I had my daughter at that time, too. So in 2007, my daughter was born. So it kind of slowed me down. So I stopped. And as I stopped, I realized how much jujitsu was having an influence on my life. And when I wasn't there, it was like, man, I really need to get back to it. And so uh, after a year of on and off, I really just dedicated my whole life to it. I, I think I went back to the gym and I even remember telling my professor, I just want to dedicate my life to jiu So whatever else I'm doing, I'm not going to do it anymore. And uh, pretty much whatever music I was doing, I sold all my music equipment, dropped out of school again, and just put in 100% of my time into jujitsu. And I said, I'm going to make my life with this. You know, I think, uh, you know, with jiu-jitsu, you can, you know, you can see that how it changes lives. And I think that's what affected me the most about changing lives. And I wanted to do that. and I wanted to give back at changing lives. So that's usually my main focus with jiu-jitsu is trying to change lives, whether it be to build you some confidence, help you lose some weight, or just help you learn how to defend yourself. Or again, if you're looking for the sports side or whatever you're looking for as a goal to accomplish, because jujitsu can help you accomplish other goals in life. So I think that's what really got me stuck with it and been kind of just 100% dedicated ever since.
0: That's awesome, man. So, And how long have you now been on this journey of jiu-jitsu? 13 years, not a long time. So everybody
1: realized that 13 years is not a long time in jiu-jitsu. It may sound like a long time, but uh, I know people that have been doing it for so many more years than me. Um, so I'm still a baby in this. I would say
0: I'm a toddler now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. I like you would think like, all right, like it takes roughly, you know, ten years, 10 to, get, years. to get a black belt and then you And that's like, just the start. And that's like, man, it's like part one. That's it's like you like flipping over, you're like, All right, <laughs> yeah. part two. Yeah. You know? And it's like it's like kinda like mind blowing to it like is. to get in to like to think about that. Like, man, you know. Uh, how long you been with your black belt now? uh 3 years. Nice. Three years, yeah. Again, so you, you, not a long time. You got a stripe coming, huh? I
1: already got it, yeah. I got it. Um it's not on my belt. I'm kind of lazy like that. Um <laughs> you know, I've always been the person that never thought about the belt. Hmm. Never thought about uh stripes or anything like that. I just like being on the mat, like being around the people, the camaraderie. And that's what I focus on, you know. It it has me. It has every aspect of my life. So that's the main thing I focus. The belt I think I like a you know, many professors will say,
0: the belt will come. You just mm-hmm. keep showing up, the belt will come. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, wh- where did you grow up? That Like, that you, you said that you had to be old tough? Yeah, I grew up on the
1: East Coast. Uh, bounced around a lot. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, um, in, in New York. Accent. Yeah, and I lived there for a little while. Then I moved to New Jersey, where my mother's from. And I grew up in the inner cities of New Jersey. Um, you know, if you're from New Jersey, shout out to New Jersey. I grew up pretty much in the inner cities of New Jersey, Um New Jersey is a rough place in the inner cities, um, pretty much the slums. So, you know, everything uh, is do or die. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's pretty much, you know, my neighborhood, uh, my area, my upbringing, my family, you know. Um, so I've experienced a lot of things in life coming up as a kid, um, seen a lot of things, pretty much seen everything. Um, there's nothing I haven't seen. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, it was always kind of dealing with those situations and then having a younger brother and stuff like that as well, having to stick up for him and, you know, just making sure we protect the family. So, it was always those those normal fights in the neighborhood or you know kids picking on you or whatever it would be bullying if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. And my day wasn't called bullying; it was just called you know. It is what it, it is. It is where you just had to pretty much you know knuckle up as mm-hmm. we used to say.
0: That's interesting. I mean, but like to you, it's normal. But like, but like to regular people, that ain't normal. You know.
1: It's not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not normal, um, but. I think uh, when you speak in the aspect of uh, social aspect and being sometimes where you grow up, uh, when you live so much in a, somewhat of a, I would say lower class or lower income. let mm-hmm. not say lower class, but lower income area. You know, it's doggy dog. Everybody's trying to fight to get to the top, and it's just the way it is. You know, it, it's rough, um, especially. And then you have some of the social problems that come with it. Um, I grew up in a household with an, uh, a father addicted to um, uh, narcotics. Um, so, you know, I pretty much had to deal with those situations as well growing up. So, you know, uh, people, you know, talking about the opioid crisis and things like that, you know, so I grew up with a father who was addicted to heroin and, um, you know, pretty much whatever he was doing, sometimes I'd be with him and seen a lot of things. So, you know, everything was... With that, that comes with that—the anger and the frustration, all of those things that come with that. You know, so that kind of gives you somewhat of a chip on your shoulder. As a child, mm-hmm. you may not understand, but you understand that there's something that's not right. So you know, it's not normal. But you know, sometimes it becomes normal to mm-hmm. the, to, to, to people that live in that in that you know that world. I would say mm-hmm. so. You know, those are the things that we kind of had coming up, and uh, you know, I thank God that I had a good mother, a strong mother, to kind of try to keep my head on straight. Uh, my mother's a teacher. So she was always trying to, you know, make sure that I was educated, even though sometimes the world around me wasn't so.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. And and how how did you how did you get out of this that just uh, that bad situation again? Like how did you get out of the, from the inner cities and, and how uh, did you how did you decide like oh I'm gonna be in Vegas now? Like
1: oh well there yeah, that's a story in itself. Uh, well again I, I I I grew up pretty much on the East Coast um, and like I said uh, just issues with my father and things like that um, in and out of prison. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, my mom wanted to kind of get away from that, um, even though all our families back there don't didn't have family in Las Vegas, didn't have family on the West Coast. And uh, my mom just kind of wanted to get away from that. So Las Vegas was a place she picked. The next thing you know, she picked us up, packed us up, moved us out here. And it was like, oh, wow, we're in a new place. So it was total culture shock for me. Totally different than what I was used to and what I was growing up around. And so that's pretty much what happened. And we come to Las Vegas. And so, you know, it was is it different for me um i didn't adjust well in the beginning um so i had a lot of you know difficulties coming up as a as a young adolescent in las vegas and so you know things again that and how old were you when you came back to when you came 14 to vegas? when i came to las vegas yeah i was 14, 14 years old mm-hmm. so, so very 14.
0: headstrong very like you know like you i wouldn't could, you i wouldn't
1: say headstrong i was just kind of uh i was always you know i've always been a to myself kind of private person quiet mm-hmm. person just you know just my nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, when I came out here again, it was just it was just different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's a different atmosphere. The West Coast and the East Coast is is, is very different, and, and especially in the '80s and '90s. Today, it's much more different again with social media. Mm-hmm. We kind of can see each other's uh, cultures and each other's ways that we are. But uh, back then, early '80s, late '80s, early '90s, you know, it was two totally different worlds from the East Coast and the West Coast. So, you know, coming out here was just kind of like a, again a culture shock and. I was looking forward to just going back home. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of the things that I wanted to do always. Was when I was younger, was just just get out of here and go back home, and be with most of my family. Even though my mother did stay here.
0: So what was what was the difficult part being in Vegas and not in New Jersey? Like, what would you say that like
1: one, no family. Family. That was number one. I didn't have any family here, so I, you know I was I was always the oldest out of all my relatives. Um, Most of my older relatives were much older than me, Mm -hmm. so I was kind of the oldest. So, you know, it was always just me having to do everything myself in a sense of being the oldest, look after my brother, look after myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just a little... I I guess I can say it was mainly mostly that. Mm -hmm. And uh, just coming here, it was just different, you know, and so... Uh, not having a family structure that I had when I was back in New Jersey or, mm-hmm. you know, family back on the East Coast. Um, being far away from people that I, you know, that I that I loved and wanted to be around. So that was kind of the most difficult thing. And and again, here um, at that time, uh, Las Vegas was a different place. Um, so, you know, when I came here, it was very different in the culture. Um, you know, you had a lot of gang culture back here too, mm-hmm. which they don't have much today. So, you know, you really had to kind of pick your spots at where you went and what you did and i wasn't used to that i wasn't familiar with that what sort of time did you did you land in uh we bounced around we kind of landed in the first uh, uh spring valley right over here but okay. then uh, from there we moved down to arville and penwood right by clark high school so mm. around there's you know a little bit of a somewhat shady area if you want to call it that mm-hmm. but uh so it was pretty much around there, but I've been all around through Vegas, west side, north town, east side. So, you know, I was all, Vegas wasn't that big back then either. Mm. You know, Vegas was a very small town, a couple of high schools, so everybody kind of knew everybody. It's a much different place today.
0: Nice. So fourteen landed in Vegas mm-hmm. and then when and then what was that age that you started again with in jiu-jitsu? Jiu Jitsu I started at twenty eight, going on twenty nine years old. Okay. You know. So you had that you had that time and mm, within that yes. time and, and the, were you searching yourself and going through what like your music? Is that where you wanted to focus on back then? Well, in the day?
1: yeah. Well I again that after high school, I went to college. Um, and did the college thing, you know, in and out of college. Um, after that, kind of just kinda of like going through life. Um, bouncing around maybe moving from different place here there so then uh, I think in around 2003 I started you know um I've always been into art so I always did music and drawing and different things like that so I uh, tried to dip and dabble in the music business more so with individuals you know just making music and things like that and so you know something I really liked and I uh, wanted to do and so I was doing that for a while and then again I had the sudden death um of my brother and that kinda just rattled everything, changed everything and my life flipped upside down and next thing you know I was in Vegas and that was it. And so I was still trying to do it if here. If
0: you don't mind me asking, like what when was that and like and and how like how far along or Um two thousand five, um, as far as when he passed away. Two
1: thousand five, yeah. Two thousand five. Uh I was actually at that time I was living in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh two thousand five I'm just working and uh as you know, he passed away suddenly. Um you know, uh, mysterious or, or if I would say, you know, complications, Got it. things that happen. Um, and so that kind of, uh, put me in of a, I would say sort of a, de- a depression state, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like kind of being not understanding. And, uh, I hadn't seen him for such a long time. So that kind of compounded that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then my mom also was kind of going through some things. And so that brought me kind of back here to be with her cause I needed to be with her. And so, yeah, and that's how I got, I got back here. And so, and then everything started from there. And immediately from there, I, I think I ended up in the gym not too long, you know, was working a little bit. And then uh, Kelly Gray took me to the gym, said, hey, man, come try this out.
0: Interesting. And Kelly Gray, yeah. who's Kelly Gray?
1: Kelly Gray is, what is my uh, my brother. You know, I call him my brother. Um, he is the uncle to my daughter. And so he is one of the guys at the time was training with Mika, a good friend of Mika, Mika Sapili. And, uh, you know, he was training uh, jujitsu. He was a blue belt at the time, training jujitsu and fighting MMA. So, you know, he kind of like, hey, you know, come to the gym, try it out. I know you like to, you know, you like to scrap a little bit. So come try out some jujitsu, maybe get in some MMA. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, MMA was starting to come up. And I thought I was going to be like this MMA fighter and Uh so on and so forth. But then I fell so much in love with the the smoothness of jujitsu and the uniform I I think I immediately forgot about MMA after that.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And in your eyes James, like what what
1: is jiu jitsu? What is jiu jitsu? Jiu jitsu is life. I think that's what it is. It's life. Uh it's a a complete imitation of life. Everything that you go through in life, you kind of go through on the mats. And mm-hmm. the difference sometimes within life, you're not you can run away from those problems. Mm. You can avoid those problems. You can lie to yourself about those problems. You can Put on a facade. You can put on a face. You can hide behind. You know, inside something is in there. That's the truth. But outside, people don't see that. But mm-hmm. on the mats, the mats don't lie. You can't run from it. If you do, you're running from yourself again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, jujitsu helps you deal with those discouragements. Um, it helps you deal with those feelings that you have inside, and those feelings are emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, human beings are emotional people. You know, um, we're emotional, and a lot of our our impulses are based on emotions. And we don't know how to control those emotions. And then, and growing up, you know, I understand about emotions. I didn't know how to deal with emotions. And so with jiu you're able to learn how to control emotions because you have to kind of, you know, I don't like to say fighting, but you're in a fight. Mm-hmm. And every day you're in there fighting. You're fighting this guy, that guy. And the guy's not trying to hurt you, but mm-hmm. the move hurts. So how he does it, it has to be put that way. So, yeah, sometimes you're going to hurt yourself. Sometimes you're going to get hurt. You're going to push too hard. You're going to. Get hurt because you're pushing too hard you want to try too hard you want to be like the guy you're not learning you're not taking baby steps you know just like in life you're you rushing through it you think you know everything you don't listen you don't pay attention so again it's life and then you know everything that happens on the mat you can kind of apply that to your life oh, okay you know i tapped out in this situation i learned from my mistake let's come back and do it again but now i'm a little bit smarter mm. you know sometimes if we took that advice from jujitsu and put it into our lives man that's where the life-changing happens. And the thing about jujitsu, where with other people or other situations, when you're trying to change your life, you know, usually you have to go talk to somebody like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or mm-hmm. someone to talk to, or you're in some type of situation, a group. And it's always has having to do with words and talking. But sometimes you don't have something to release that energy. Mm-hmm. That energy could be anger. That energy could be fear. could be anxiousness. could be many different things. So the gym helps you release that. You know, you release that through through sweat, and those endorphins come in, and again, you're 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 slowly changing. You're slowly changing your your mental state is changing. You're a little bit more resilient, a little bit more tougher. You can deal with situations. You're a little bit more calmer. I wasn't always the greatest calmest person before. You know, Um, I was very calm, but then, you know, when when the when when the the, I guess the when you detonate, then you know, it's it's a big (laughs) explosion. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, jiu-jitsu helps you deal with those things. Again, it helps you control emotions. And some of the things that happen nowadays in today's society is based a lot on emotions. We just don't know how to deal with those emotions. So true. And a lot of our children are growing up today mm. with these emotions based on, again, society's norms or society's unnormal things that happen. And we have a lot of emotions. We just don't know
0: where to let that energy out. Man, that's that's pretty deep. Yeah. And I feel the same way, man, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, I'm in the mat. And I'm getting my I'm getting like beat, and I'm just like man, there's no it's either either tap or 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 you know or just try to breathe mm-hmm. and try to figure out a way out, right? Yeah, and th- that's the same thing we can do in life. You know, mm-hmm. you can quit or you can take a deep breath and figure out. Yeah. what to do and how to get out learn from your mistakes y- you know it's like it's and it's so it's so crazy man mm-hmm. um so with jiu-jitsu like um you owning your own academy like how like how difficult is that to get your train in while you still like you know having your own academy um well you know
1: having the gym along with my partner mika sapili um i learned a lot being under him i think when i started he kind of uh he noticed that i had a knack for teaching um, I did work with kids a lot. Um, you know, when I was going to college and things like that, I did work in child psychology, studies ch- child psycholo- psychology. Um, being a child, that was a, I guess, a product of the inner city, product of the, I would say the so the social justice system, mm-hmm. and understanding how kids need a lot of help out there. I kind of wanted to work with kids, and I knew jujitsu was a wonderful tool to work with individuals, especially with the kids. So he kind of threw me to the kids' class and had me start working there and teaching. And I was just learning watching him and learning how to run a a business in that sense, to run a gym, how to deal with people, how to deal with everything. So, you know, I kind of saw how he went about doing everything and how he got to train and how he did run the gym at the same time while training. And some people do say, yeah, uh, when you're teaching, you're not training like you want to. And that's the truth. You can't really get the train that you want, but you, you can find time. And so like any other business venture or anything in doing life, it's going to come with its difficulties. You just have to find the time. You have to be good at organizing your schedules and try to find time for you because you need time for yourself. And then you need time to give to others as well, because jujitsu, in a sense, is where modern day samurai and the word samurai itself means to serve. So you are serving others at giving them something back in life. So you're kind of serving. So, you know, you have to serve. And at the same time, you're going to get something out of that. You know, you can train when you can. And when there are classes, when you can be a student, because I also like to be a student.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's good to be a teacher, but I also like to sit back and be taught by others as well, whether I'm just in the part of the class watching or actually doing technique. But I also want to be the student as well, because you never stop learning. So you always continue to learn and always continue to get knowledge all the way until you know, to your last day and your last breath. So I always try to keep an open mind, keep learning, keep moving with the times. So, you know, I try to get what I can get on my time. And it's hard being a family man with children, having a business, and again, trying to find time for myself. Also, you know, as far as having to take care of my body, working out, staying healthy. So I always try to make sure that, you know, the schedule is good. Not the greatest at it, but I try to do very well trying to make days for myself and I think that's what you have to do mm-hmm. even in life with everything you do whether it's your uh, normal job you're a nine-to-five guy you need to find some time for yourself and jiu
0: helps you with that or any type of thing like vacations or working out interesting man it, it you people people question all the time like man you do so much like how like <laughs> how do you fit it in all in one day you know wow and yeah. I mean, because you, you, you said it right there, you're a family man, you're yeah. a business owner, you do, you try to train jujitsu, plus you try to hit the gym, which is mm-hmm. weights. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's some some people, it's like unfathomable, you know? Yeah. They're like, oh, I don't even know if that's a word, but it's just like, man, I can't, even, I can't even like, can't even picture that. But I mean, I, I like a good quote that I got, um, I forgot who I got it from, but you know, do more. Do more. Do more, you be can more. You never do enough. You know, when you do more, you are more, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and that's, it's, it's important for people just to do, just, to, mm-hmm. just do things and, and, and stack up your schedule and, and essentially you'll get more things done, yeah, you know? Yeah, you will, you will. Um, but man, you, uh, you're expanding your, your business, right? Yes, we've um, expanded, added some more space so what's, people can What's sit. going on? How many, how many, how many square footage you got? What? what? Well,
1: now we're a 3,700 square feet facility, um, so now we have more, uh, I would say, leisure space for, for the parents and the people that are watching because a lot of people like to come and watch. and So they can be relaxed and, you know, the gym atmosphere sometimes can get crowded. So you want to have a place where you can relax and just kind of let, you know, let loose and relax while your child or your husband or spouse is just is training or working out. So we just expanded some more office space, some more sitting space and leisure space, some more area for the kids. Um, again, my main focus is always trying to make sure the kids have something to do so, you know, we tried to add like a homework station, a computer station and things like that. Wow. So the kids will have a place to kind of sit. Because what I notice is when I we have the gym, so you may have an older brother, he's training and you're done. But then you need to do homework and you're doing homework on the floor. You're doing it on the mat. You're mm-hmm. doing it somewhere where, you, you know, you need to do homework as well, mm-hmm. including my own daughter. She needs to do her homework and she has nowhere to sit. <laughs> so she's taking up all my space. And so, you know, I just wanted to have a place with the kids. You know, I always believe in that community center. I grew up with a lot of community centers. My mom worked in community centers. My mom worked at, uh, you know, city parks and things like that. So, you know, it's always stuck with me to have a place where kids can come because sometimes kids need to escape as well. So Mm -hmm. they need a place to come to an escape where they feel uh, welcome and they have that feeling of everyone is there to help them and they can sit and do what they need to do. Whether that be homework or study or read or, you know, get on the computer or whatever it may be. You know, a little bit of video games, not too much, but uh, just a little bit Just take away from the phone and video game time.
0: That's really good. That's really that's really cool that you put that in there. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the age that you recommend people starting? Like even like kids, like what, like what age would you recommend?
1: Um, Well, the Gracie family, uh, if I'm not mistaken, believe that most children should start at three when learning is about to start at that age. You know, in preschool, they're starting to learn. They started, they're probably already talking and walking. And so three is a good time to start if the facility offers those age ranges, which a lot do. Some don't. Um, but that's the greatest, I think, the greatest time because the child at the youngest age absorbs the most information. They're, they're a sponge, and they can mm-hmm. take in so much information and use it and apply it. So that when they get older, that it it all comes out there. So they may not understand, but it's loading subconsciously. So three is a good age. And if they're not able to follow along on the mat, maybe a parent gets started and they can go and play. Because the thing about jiu-jitsu, which I love, another thing about jiu-jitsu that I love, a family art created by a family, you know, that's grown to over 500 family members that practice, you know, everywhere from mothers, fathers, uncles, cousins, aunts, brothers, sisters. It's a family thing. Um, how much contact do we really get with our families How other than hugging them when you say bye or hi? You know, you're getting that close contact that, you know, you're, it may be what well, we used to say as kids, you're playing around roughhousing. You know, mm-hmm. it could be with your dad or your mom and so on and so forth. Or, you know, you're getting that time and the parent can learn and show them moves and play with them. And it's just play at that time and it should mm-hmm. be play. You know, we shouldn't be teaching them that this is what they need to do. And need to be worrying about submit some guy and choke them out. No, you should just be looking to have fun and play with them and get them coordinated. And by the time they step on the mat, they're so ready, because I believe that jujitsu's jiu- greatest ability is for the kid. Because when you I, when you start as a kid, and you can see the evidence of that, your majority of your jujitsu champions today were people who started as kids. Mm. You know, I think uh, uh, there's only probably two people that uh one nas- one uh world titles that didn't start jiu jitsu as kids and that was Corbelian who started at 21 and uh, i believe another fellow from uh Ecuador or from uh the Re- Dominican Republic and he got uh, i think a world championship maybe um at a little bit older age but everyone else if you look at the top of the list they were all kids they started as kids interesting and so i think jiu jitsu you are you're just a blank canvas mm-hmm. you you take it all in And you have the, you don't have that ability yet. You know, you don't have the strength abilities that adults have, you know, something I came in with, you know, you had those abilities that you kind of use in the wrong way Mm -hmm. where the kid doesn't, he has to learn technique and everything is in technique, you know? And just like if you apply a technique to your life, if you follow the technique and you do it and you chase that perfection, you may not be perfect, but you'll get very close and then you can accomplish a lot with that. So I think, yeah, three years old. Is the great age to start. A lot of people ask me when they should start, you know, anytime at a young age. Um, but it's good to start young.
0: Mm-hmm. Or start now, right? Start or, now. Or for, for adults. Like, uh,
1: I, I was a saying I heard. I never, I try, never try to forget it. Uh, you don't have to be great to start. Uh, you don't have to start. How's it go? You don't have to be great to start. But you have to start to be but great. But you have to start to be great.
0: There you go. hmm yeah that's interesting man mm-hmm. um and then you you do offer classes for three years olds?
1: yes we offer three and a half four years old is the age that we try to take them in at okay. um we do evaluations on three-year-olds okay because some three-year-olds are very young and mm-hmm. some three-year-olds are very very advanced very intelligent and so mm-hmm. we kind of do an evaluation for the three-year-olds
0: but our age that we start at is four years four years old four yeah okay and so like can you explain the the different types of classes that you offer yes. for the people
1: yes we offer uh kids adults um and we also offer a juvenile teen class. Uh, it's combined with our adult class. So we offer the ages four to six. So all the kids from four to six. And then we offer ages seven to 12. Within those seven to 12, we also offer a beginner's class because some of the kids at that seven to 12 age have done jiu-jitsu in other places, whether it be other gyms, facilities, states, you know, they've done jujitsu. So we have experience. Some people may have one year experience, two years experience or five years experience. And some people have no experience. And one of the things that I experienced is mixing the non-experience with the experienced in the beginning. Again, kids are not malicious, but sometimes they don't know and mm-hmm. they see a kid. And, you know, it could be too much for the kid that, it, you know, they're, they're learning. It's their first day. They're overwhelmed mm-hmm. and they and they quit, mm-hmm. you know, because being overwhelmed at by anyone can make you quit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, again, you have to crawl before you walk. And so we offer a beginner's class, 7 to 12, and then we have our advanced class seven to 12 and those hours and days range and vary based on the training and then our teens are 13 to 16 because usually in jiu-jitsu by 13 if you've been training jiu-jitsu for a while you're hanging with the adults again when i started i got beat up by a 13 year old his name was andre vaughn (laughs) yeah and he he was very good still is good and uh 13 years old 13 years old. old no muscles i was 29 i was in the gym i weighed 195 i was hanging out with the bodybuilders I was benching 325. I thought I was a strong guy. And this 13-year-old little kid came up and just beat me up really bad. And then uh, I remember Mika saying, how'd you think? Sign me up. Sign me up. Whatever that kid was doing right there, <laughs> I need to know because, man,
0: he was all over me. That's interesting. Yeah, I got humbled by Ross. Yeah. Yeah, I was 275. And then Ross came in. And he's like, all right, cool. And he, Ross is my buddy before, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. he just flipped me and my head went back yeah. so quick. I'm like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like this 180 pound guy is like, it's just like controlling me. Yeah. You know, I was like 275 at the time. So like strength, strength and size isn't, isn't the game here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the, it's not the advantage.
1: And that's the great thing. You know, you, you get to see them when they were kids and watch them grow up and they beat you up as kids and then they beat you up as adults. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And then um so do you you offer teens is it beginners advanced as well for the teens?
1: For the teens they're mixed in with the adults so a lot of times the adult class is a beginners class okay. um it's a mixture um because because we're still somewhat of a new facility four years uh, we're reaching our fourth four, fourth anniversary four year anniversary Congrats, in March. Thank good. you. And uh it's still we still have you know some of the lower belts white belts blue belts and we've uh promoted a few of our purple belts um, but we haven't gotten to the high belts. We just uh, recently promoted. Um, but he's not from our facility. He is from the, the Las Vegas facility, the Charleston Academy. Uh, Mitchell Bowles, who is a friend of mine, uh, to black belt. And uh, Nathan Baheto, uh he came from Brazil. Um, one of the guys I met some years back in Brazil, uh, training for World's Camp. Um, he just recently received his black belt. So, you know, we have a mixture and, and, our, and our facility is, is aimed at trying to get people started, you know, and help them get along and, and get them through the beginning stage. Because the hardest part of jiu I believe, is the white belt stage mm-hmm. and then For going sure. into that blue belt stage and trying to, you know, get through the rest of it. By the time you get to purple and brown, you're pretty much, you know, a veteran. You know what's going on. You're going to probably
0: be there to a black belt and mm-hmm. then something comes along and stops you. For sure, yeah. um, and just real fast for the people, mm-hmm. how, what what are the? Can you explain the belts and mm-hmm. like how long does it take and whatnot and what's the difference and like why why it's why it's bad to rush your belts rather than like what, rather wait it out and get the education that you need? Yeah, like you just said, get the education you need. Um, it would be like I always like to to
1: use the analogy of school because jujitsu, you know, uh, my professor used to always talk about school. Like this is a school. This is an academy. I'm an instructor, a teacher, a professor. Your students, you know, we're here to learn. Um, and if you go to school, you know, you start you start kindergarten, and the next thing you know, some put you in the twelfth grade. You know, you haven't grown, you haven't matured, mm-hmm. you haven't learned your body, you haven't learned the moves. There's so much to learn. There's so much to go through. So you know, you want to take your time. You want to enjoy it. Uh, we live in a, a gratifying society now. Everybody has to have everything. Microwave time. Put yep. it in one minute. Boom, get it back. You mm-hmm. know, and with that, sometimes rushing, like if you're driving a car, or you're speeding. You just got your driver's license, and then you hit a hundred. Most likely, you're gonna crash. Mm-hmm. You know, is the same way. If you start too fast, you burn out. You know, you want to take your time, pace yourself, learn. You know, be there with an open mind. So the bell system works in that in that nature. Um, it does come from the the arts of the Japanese arts, which are judo and the other bushido arts. You know, jujitsu and Judo and all the other arts were Aikido. They were all one major art, but based on Japanese society, they were kind of diced up and split to kind of deal with the sport world that was coming about when the Japanese were just coming out of their days of the, you know, feudal feudal wars in Japan, mm-hmm. and they were looking to immigrate and go to other countries and things like that. So, you know, they needed to develop a system. So they developed a belting system, and then, you know, that bel- belting system was passed on, and in the beginning, you know, they were only using, I think, two colored belts. And then eventually they added other belts to kind of prolong that because people need to see, I guess, a grade. They need to see a process. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just sitting at one belt and you just keep training, you'll never know if you're getting better unless your professor tells you. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Grandmaster Leo Gracie kind of used the belting system. And Judo had developed a belting system, and we wanted to distinguish the two, you know, between us. So we don't get confused, even though we're still somewhat of the same art, but they are kind of separated for the sports sense, for the the sense of, you know, separation to kind of give us an identity. And that also gives you a grade to see where you're at, what you need to know. And then you can kind of pace yourself, you know, because sometimes, again, with that not having something to grade yourself with, you kind of get discouraged. So you want to have not to be discouraged. And so that belting system helps. And, it, again, it's it's a grading system, just like any any school system. You know, you need to take your time. You need to learn. You're not going to learn uh, trick and calculus without going through the basic mathematics. Mm-hmm. You know, so jiu-jitsu has that. It's the basic mathematics, the basics, the fundamentals, the beginning. So you need to get through that, and you need to understand that. And, again, there's a fighting sport. And within with fighting... It is unlimited. Mm-hmm. It's an infinity. Anything can happen. Reactions, so many different reactions, so many different things can happen. So you're training for that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need. And I think that's what makes jiu jitsu so excellent. You get to actually train in those reactions of reality. And so that's what makes it great. And again, if I'm defending myself, if I'm in, I need to defend myself in a reality situation, I need to know some reactions. I need to be able to prepare myself for those reactions. You know, if, if, I, if, if my instructor gave me the black belt in one month and then I had to defend myself, ooh. I don't know, you know, it Mm -hmm. might not work. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to, you know, you don't want to give someone a false sense of reality. So that belting system is there. And it works from the white to blue to purple to brown to black. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're a kid, it's the same way. They have much more, they have a lot more belts because, again, they need a grading system. They need encouragement and incentive. So that belting system allows them to grow. 16, you become an adult in jujitsu. So by 16, yeah, you're going to start fighting in that juvenile adult division. I know a lot of juveniles out there that are, you know, giving a lot of adults, you know, a lot of trouble on the mats. Right. You know. It's pretty awesome. It's out there, man. They're out there. The kids are learning so much better now. They're they're doing adult moves so much younger. So their advancement is so much further. Man, you know, just to see the young guys go today, you know, there's so many names out there for me to just think of names. But, man, there's some young guys out there, 14, 15,
0: 16, going at the, uh, the big guys. That's really cool, man. Yeah makes me want to makes me want to put my kid like asap in there you know yeah
1: yeah uh, definitely um there's a lot of people out there that talk about you know sending your send your kids to jiu-jitsu before you send them into any other sport and I recommend that you know Katie Slater, Kelly Slater a famous surfer said put your kid in jiu-jitsu before you put them in any other sport and that will definitely give them the tenacity, the toughness, the mental toughness, the mental fortitude to deal with the other sports that are team sports, because those are team sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not the greatest player at one position, you know, there's other players around you that can help you. Mm-hmm. But in jiu-jitsu, you're all alone. Your team helps you get there. But then when you go out there, to, you know, to, to compete, to fight, to mm-hmm. train, you're by yourself so that's what builds that, that confidence, that builds that. And jiu-jitsu is the ultimate confidence builder. And then when you go to other sports, they're so easy mm-hmm. compared to jiu-jitsu. There's nothing harder than jiu-jitsu, judo, or wrestling. Nothing. You know? So those are the hardest sports that are out there, for sure.
0: Um, you said about competing. When, when's your next competition? Uh, well, looking to
1: do the BJJ Pro that's coming up in Los Angeles. And then after that, is PANs. You know, most people now are getting ready for PANs. Uh, our major tournaments and then the kids are getting ready for paying kids uh, one of the biggest tournaments in the sport for us again It's a sport that's growing not many people know about it But it's growing and jiu-jitsu hopefully in the next 10 to 15 years is gonna be one of the major sports of the world Not just in America, but in the world uh, if you look around and all the places around uh, you can go to South America You can go to Europe where it's growing big, uh, Africa, Asia, Philippines, everywhere. Everybody's doing jiu-jitsu and they're just loving it. And the jiu-jitsu is like, I I equate it to like soccer. Soccer is like a a cheap sport. Mm -hmm. All I need is a ball. Mm -hmm. Jiu-jitsu, all I need is my gi. It doesn't have to be a new one. I just need a gi. Get on the mat and I train. And that's it. That's all you need. You don't need a lot of equipment. Don't need helmets. Don't need pads. Don't need gloves. Don't need cleats. You know. And so a lot of times we're looking for that sport. You know, just to say, hey, I just go. You know, when I started, I remember having my gi, and I think that was the only gi I had for, like, the first three years. And I used it. I still have it. <laughs> nice. And, you know, so all you need is the uniform, and then you're ready to go. You think we'll make it to the Olympics one day? Ah, man, jiu-jitsu is very uh, – it still has a lot of politics. Mm-hmm. So Olympics is the goal, but, you know, with the Olympic Committee, you know, you have to have a one unified, one unified organization, federation. You know, judo was able to accomplish that. Uh, jiu-jitsu still has the, I like to call them the clans. Mm. You know, it's like the clans that? of the Japanese feudal system where my family, you know, we just don't want to give. Uh, the thing is, the there's a lot of organizations. You know, there's a lot of different federations. And, and to be recognized, I believe, by the Olympic Committee, you have to have one federation who has one rule set for the whole world. Mm. And they all follow that rule set. And then you fight uh, what we call regional than uh, the state, then national, and then you fight for your country. Mm. Um, so they're trying. Many organizations are trying, but, again, they all have to come together. Mm-hmm. And being that jujitsu, jitsu you know, I started my organization, I have my organization, I have my organization. You know, sometimes they don't work together so well. I'm not with those organizations, so I can't speak for them. Yeah. I just speak from the outside, and I see – I know that the Olympic Committee wants that. Mm-hmm. You know, and as long as you have an organized sport – you can become Olympic. I don't see why Jiu-Jitsu should not be in the Olympics. Um, but again, you know, based on what the committee wants, you know, I, I'm not with the committee, but I assume that's what, the only reason why Jiu-Jitsu is not in the Olympics. Because, I mean, there's everything in the Olympics, karate, boxing, judo, so much things. Yeah. And jiu is not there. And Jiu-Jitsu is an Olympic sport, you know, because we really don't get to show our talent to the world other than what we do. For us, you know, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu community is our community. You know, when you go to the tournaments, the people that are there are our community. It's not an outside community trying to be brought in like the Olympics. So, our, you know, the, the the light could be shown on jiu-jitsu if Olympics had the sport in there where they would go to the national stage and, you know, people would be fighting for their country. And I think that's what everybody likes to do, represent their country. For sure. And so, you know, hopefully that will happen in the future. Again, it probably will happen. You know, maybe in the next 5, 10 years, 15 years. But, you know, it's headed that way. There are a lot of organizations. I think the IBJJF is trying to get there. I know the SJJF is another organization looking to try to accomplish the the Olympics. And uh, also another Olympic requirement is you have to have, I think, the sport in 70 countries, if I'm not mistaken. With um, that so, same federation. With the same federation. Like the IJF is what they call the International Judo Federation. Mm. They have their federation And they have their federations based, again, broken down to everything from the city to the regional, state, country. And the rules are all the same, you know, the rules for judo. But with jiu-jitsu rules change, you know. So this tournament may have this rule. Mm -hmm. Then another uh, organization might have these rules. And so you know, then nobody knows what rule set is going to be accepted. You know, ADCC has their rule set, so you know we have to kind of get one rule set, stick with that. So So. is is
0: ADCC and like is that like a federation itself? It's a federation itself. Oh, okay. So so. Would that have to be like will, will will that have to stop like ADCC would have to stop like all all these yeah. other things like all nah, these you, other things would have to stop nah, you understand yeah nobody's
1: gonna it's gonna be hard to give up those up, and like those the up.
0: submission only fights submission onlys yes. all those will have to stop
1: they wouldn't have to stop they would just be kind of like MMA you got know? it but uh, but they would be their own entity I guess they wouldn't be a federation or an organization yeah you know they would just be their own entity. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, you know, that that's pretty much how it works. So you can see, it's, it, it, you know, it's hard. You know, yeah. you have ADCC is run by the the uh, the United Arab Emirates Federation, the mm-hmm. Jiu-Jitsu Federation. So that's a whole country running their own federation. Then you have the IBJJF, which is a, a multi-country organization. Mm-hmm. You know, you have other organizations here and there. Hicks and Gracie has an organization, the JJGF. And so... You know the global Jiu Jitsu Federation. So you know you have all of these federations where everyone is looking to kind of streamline Jiu Jitsu. And also there's again there's the understanding that Jiu Jitsu works on the self defense side and there's also a sports side. You know, and so that also kind of mixes up
0: in there. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I I see Hicks and and um, Hoiler, right? Mm-hmm. They they try to in, integrate self defense, self defense, self defense. You know, but I feel like self defense is on one side and then like like sport is on the other, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I think or that like we how... shouldn't separate them. Mm-hmm. I guess it kind of could be like Judo and jujitsu. Okay. You know, uh, we know we need Judo for jujitsu, and we know Judo needs jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, we need the ground. We need to stand. We need to learn how to throw. We need mm-hmm. to learn how to go to the ground. Um, but we also need to learn how to defend ourselves because mm-hmm. jiu is essence in, the, in the, the, the utmost is to learn how to defend yourself. When the samurai used it, they weren't using it to fight in a sport. They were defending themselves mm-hmm. from combat, you know, and, and unfortunately at that time, it was a serious combat, but that essence was there. And, you know, we're talking maybe, I don't know, 50 years, if that, that, mm-hmm. that jiu-jitsu was passed to the Gracie family right after that. So, you know, they picked up that essence of the self-defense, you know, learning those moves to defend yourself. Um, and so I think that's a part of jujitsu. We have to kind of keep that essence there and not let it turn into a complete sport because for the kid that's not looking to compete, but has to deal with the bully in his neighborhood or deal with the bully in his school, mm-hmm. he's not gonna be able to use the lapel guard. You know? He's gonna have to learn how to defend himself from a mm-hmm. kid smacking him in his face, you know. It's not gonna be any lapel worm guard, it's not gonna be any bedding bowl it's not gonna be those things. Yeah, you may be able to apply those if you're a much advanced student in the street, but mm-hmm. I mean, come on. You know, the 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 idea is if I'm gonna defend myself, the ground the only reason I went to the ground is cause he put me there. But I'm trying to put my opponent on the ground, so I need to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to control the position because if I'm a kid, I'm not trying to hurt somebody. I'm just trying to control to keep this kid away from me, let him know, give, teach him a lesson. Maybe he'll leave me alone. It's usually how it works with kids anyway. Mm-hmm. They, they just stop and they don't bother you anymore. Um, and then again, in you know, society, we have women that are attacked and women need to learn how to defend themselves. So we forget about so many people for a small percentage of people. Mm -hmm. And the sports side is a small percentage. Yes, it's a big percentage to the people that love it because it's only us. But there's a large percentage of people that are in the gyms that have nothing to do with the sport. Mm -hmm. They're there for those various reasons to lose weight, to build confidence and learn how to defend themselves. Again, if my mom is not going to go to... Class and learn how to do the lapel guard. Mm-hmm. She wants to know how I'm going to keep this big guy who may try to attack me when I'm jogging in my neighborhood, and some guy jumps out on me and tries to attack me. Mm-hmm. Do I need to go to Krav Maga for that? Do I need to go to other self-defense classes for that? Mm-hmm. So Jiu-Jitsu loses out on that. You know, we lose out on that, and we lose out on this essence. And then when Jiu-Jitsu's essence is gone, it will just be the sport left. And Judo was like that at once. It was defense. It was a defense system. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's a totally a sport. And so a lot of times we just, we're just looking to go into the sport, and that's cool. You know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to be a professional athlete. You know, that's what you're looking for. So you would go that route just like any football player, basketball player, baseball player. You know, mm-hmm. he's not playing in the park no more. He's looking to be professional. So he understands that. But everybody's not going that route, you know. And so we don't want to alienate a whole group of people who a lot of times are actually the main people at the gym. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that are there. You know, it's a small percentage of people that are fighting in sport. The sport is for us as individuals that has a goal for some reason that they need for themselves to kind of, you know, see what my jiu-jitsu is going to do. I got to test it, you know, mm-hmm. cuz I may not get into a fight. I may not fight in the street. And God forbid, you know, we want these things to happen. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. But you still need to again be able to defend yourself. And for us in the sport, we like to try to test ourselves and see where we can go. And that's the closest thing we can get to a fight is in a tournament. Mm-hmm. And, yes, just like in a tournament, you know, I like to equate jujitsu sometimes with, uh, like they say, in the NBA and pick up basketball or street ball. You know, street ball, there's anything goes. Mm-hmm. You might get an elbow to the face. In the NBA, there's rules. You know, there's certain strategies and things like that. So, you know, you know, professional. And, you know, street. Mm-hmm. So I think you should be able to do both. I think jujitsu needs to stay with that. We need to understand all aspects of jujitsu. And that means not throw out anything. Keep mm-hmm. judo. Keep a keto. You know, we use a keto. We use wrist locks. We not, might not only use that, but that's what we do. We use all the aspects of jujitsu, foot locks, heel hooks, all those things. So you need to know all of it, how to defend it, how to get out of it, you know, and how to do it. And so I think that's the aspect that jujitsu needs to stay in. We need to come together as a jiu jitsu community understand there's many aspects and variations of it. People use it for military, people use it for police law enforcement. Again, people use it for reasons like I did to deal with uh different things that happen in your life, you mm-hmm. know, things that may you may need you had some trauma in your life and you need to kind of let that out. I know a lot of people that do jiu-jitsu with PTSD. So all my you know, people that have PTSD and they they don't have nowhere to release all of that 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 happened to them, that trauma that happened to them in war, mm-hmm. you know, so there's so many aspects, and when again, when you just decide to do sport only in your gym, you let a whole lot of people down, you mm-hmm. know, so again, I love the sport, I love the sport of jiu-jitsu, I love to compete, again, that's for me, and for the guys that love that, and we go for that, you know, and then again, is there other aspect that we also must maintain, so I agree with Hicks, and I agree with Hoyler. we must always maintain the essence of what jujitsu is, Hoiler was an avid competitor, an avid uh, jiu-jitsu competitor, world champion, ADCC champion, but never left the essence of what jiu-jitsu was about. And so I always kind of follow with that vision, not because I'm a part of the Gracie family or, or a part of the team or part of the organization or association, but, but I believe in that moniker that we need to keep jiu-jitsu's essence as what it is because that kid that came into your gym, he's not going to start thinking
0: about competition first. He just wants to
1: learn a little bit of confidence.
0: hmm and and you would start them like any other any other person right like um if they want to learn self-defense you would like uh, one class would essentially do that for them yeah I think you have a curriculum you think you mm-hmm. need to just like again school i would like to go back to school if
1: you're a teacher without a curriculum your kids are going to be all over the place mm-hmm. you no know? so you need to have some type of curriculum you need to have a format you need to keep it based on a, a, whether it be a weekly basis a monthly basis however you do but you need to follow some format and when you come up on that time you will go over those ranges and you also can can tell the difference between when you're doing sport and doing self defense, you know, things like that. If people want more self defense away from the group class, because we do have to understand a group class is just like a group class in school. Mm-hmm. You know, my kid may be lacking in algebra, but we're not on algebra anymore. We're on geometry. So he's going to have to either do a one on one or get a tutor or get somebody that's going to help him catch up or help him work on that individually uh, because. You know, jiu-jitsu used to be only an individual. It would be the professor would do one-on-ones. He didn't do group classes. Master Leo Gracie didn't do group classes. He did one classes because to really teach jiu-jitsu, you know, you need that one-on-one time a lot of times. And the group class helps you uh try it you know mm-hmm. you need trial and error it's a laboratory so you know you need to be a scientist you need to actually go over theory and talk and interesting then go actually and try that theory in, in the lab and see how it really works with reality and a resisting partner
0: nice yeah i didn't know he did one-on-ones before
1: yeah he did he, he only like, he liked to do one-on-ones and i think the group class was brought later on and then you know he he's he seen that the group classes were working as well and mm-hmm. so if i'm not mistaken, uh. From there, it was. Then the group classes started to grow, and then that idea of the group class started to stick, and everybody started, you know, doing group classes. But one on ones are, are still a major part of jiu-jitsu. And if, you know, if you really want to learn jujitsu, you really got to sometimes sit with those one on ones. Again, it's like a tutor. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're in school and you're lagging behind. You're gonna get a tutor. You know, and so you got always again equate that jujitsu is an intelligent sport, mm-hmm. and it may be a fighting. So a lot of times we, when we think of fighting, we don't think of intelligence. Um, But it is, it's intelligent fighting and we're trying to use our mind to over, you know, over, I would say overpower or over subdue a person that would be trying to hurt us. And so, you know, you need to have a technical thinking strategy. And so sometimes you're not able to understand everything in the group class because things move fast in the group setting. Mm -hmm. So you need that one-on-one time with your professor or someone close to him that can slow it down and give you key pointers and tips and things like that. And then you can go and try it and go back and talk with your professor again mm-hmm. and then go back and try it again. Mm-hmm. Trial and error. Jiu-Jitsu is so much trial and error. If you if you forget that aspect of
0: it, you kind of lag behind. It's a lot about asking questions too, right? And being, being humble with There's yourself. There's no dumb questions. Right? Yes. If humble. Be, be, oh. in, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, man, it's like, you get you're, you're getting beat right and you have to be able to be like all right i'm i'm getting my i'm getting my ass what right now mm-hmm. like what can i do you know and like mm-hmm. being and that that, that relates to P- everyone needs a coach everyone needs a a mentor everyone you know you need a professor everybody needs a professor we all need
1: teachers you know um even everybody a yourself you know you you're everyone you're searching for that i need one mm-hmm. my professor needs one his professor needed one we all need professors we all need individuals who have the experience that we hadn't got to yet again like i said with society or with us or human beings we can think we know everything mm-hmm. we, we you know we we try this and that we you know we don't listen mm-hmm. we're stubborn you know and so all those things are mental roadblocks you know and you need to understand you have to have an open mind and learn and we like to say there's no losing mm-hmm. a lot of times when we, we lose it makes us go back into that shell even more because we feel like a failure you know and people are ashamed of failure Instead of learning that failure makes, because no one that was that that's a champion didn't become a champion without failure. He just didn't let the failure stop him. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that failure is a part of life, and we accept it, but we learn from it. And that's what jujitsu is about: learning from mistakes. It's the person that doesn't learn from their mistakes that keeps repeating them that always will keep having it, the same thing happen over and over. You know, trying to beat a dead horse it just doesn't work. So you know, insanity, you, right? Oh, yeah what Albert Einstein said right yeah and you gotta you gotta understand that and so you know we all need teachers we need to learn We need to have an open mind don't worry about failure just understand failure is a part of it we learn from that and we come back and be stronger that's what makes us stronger and so yeah that's that's how I kind of equate with my jujitsu. and we need that you know we got to keep learning like uh you know we always say you never you're never too old to learn yep that's what I love to say
0: um, I want to end it with this. With um, if you if you can give one advice or like a, or advice to let's say a a a person that wants to be successful as in life or like to be successful in 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 their sport or to be a champion in in whatever, mm-hmm. um, what would you tell them like right now? And in anything, first be
1: honest with yourself. I think uh, in society we we can learn how not to be honest with ourselves. Again, social media can allow you to not be honest. You can put up there what you want the people to think, but the reality is not that. And so you gotta be honest with yourself. Uh, One of the first things I learned in Jiu Jitsu was being honest with myself, looking in the mirror, looking at myself and being honest. And I think that was the first time I was able to be honest with myself and look in the mirror and be honest with myself. So that's number one, be honest with yourself. You know, don't short yourself, don't lie to yourself. And then after that, if you have a goal, study that goal. You need studying. You need to learn. You need to learn ins and outs. Um, With that goal, you're going to study. Now you're involved in it. And now go for it. Don't quit. It's going to have a bumpy road. It's going to be rocky. You might fall off. You know, you can ask anybody the Bill gates, all the guys that, you know, made something of themselves from nothing. If you ask them, you know, whether it's the guy that made Facebook or or Airbnb or, you know, people thought the guy that made Airbnb was a, uh, he was crazy. You know, ah, nobody's going to rent out their houses and now look, you know. And so he had so many times where people told him that he wouldn't make it. And, you know, he didn't have this and he thought he was going to quit, but he kept going. So just keep believing, keep learning, keep studying, keep chasing after those dreams. Never give up on your dreams if you have them, you know, and see where you're going to get. And, and again, remember that's going to be hard to get there. Anything you do in life is going to be hard, but never give up. You know, we love to say in jiu-jitsu, never give up because it's hard. You know, it's not easy to go in there on the mat and let somebody choke you out every day, you know, bend your arm up, bend your wrist up. It's not easy. People think it might be, you know, some people are like, oh, no, I'm not going in there. And so, you know, it's not easy. And so if you just stick with it, and again, with anything, it takes time, you know, anything takes time to be good at. And so if you just stick that time in there and keep going, you're going to learn the ins and outs. You're going to learn mistakes and come back and, and be able to do it again. And, you know, I, I know a little bit about you and, you know, you had some difficulties in opening your business and. Now, but you knew never to give up, never to quit. You know, you knew there was light at the end of the tunnel. You just kept, kept grinding. That's mm-hmm. what I always like to say. Keep grinding. keep grinding. Tell everybody, keep grinding. You know, if you got a dream, keep grinding. You'll make it, you know, and if you don't make what you wanted, you'll get close to it. At least you can be satisfied with that, you know. I think you can be satisfied if you worked your tail off, you worked everything you did, you got very close to it. And, you know, I, I always like to say, for, for instance, is Charles Barkley, right? Charles Barkley may have never won a title. But can you ever take anything away from his career that he did? No. You know, he may not have been a world champion, but he was definitely one of the top 50 greatest players. Mm-hmm. You know, so you may not win a championship, but you're up there with him. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have played with him. You might have played against him in the championship. You just might not have been your day. But, hey, nothing. nobody can take away what you accomplished. And so by chasing those dreams, keeping keep grinding, you're going to get there. You're going to be close to him, you know. And so I always like to 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 just say just keep grinding. That, that's just my motto It's always a motto I stuck with, Um, you know. I just keep grinding, and that's why I love jujitsu. I love working out. I love doing all of these things, you know. Your body's a temple, and sometimes you gotta, you gotta grind
0: it out to make it, you know, to make it shine all right man i like that um well that ends out this podcast i appreciate james for coming Bro, I in you for having uh, me. i really really appreciate it man yeah. good luck to you um Thank you. you guys can check his out uh, his academy out gracie humida blue diamond on Cimarron and blue uh yeah Cimarron and blue diamond, diamond Mountain edge area Mountain edge so if you guys want to train out there you just just let them know i'll put all the information on this um by. yeah man and this is a uh, smash cast thanks for tuning in all right peace peace